Good evening to everyone. Good to see you. Glad that you're here. Uh, hope that the things that we discuss tonight will help us in our walk as, as Christians. There was a man in Europe, a wealthy nobleman, and he decided to build a church building uh, for his mountain village uh, there that he grew up in. Uh, there wasn't anybody in the village that was allowed to come there while he was building it. They wasn't allowed to go in and see it until it was finished. And when it was finished, he, he called uh, uh, the people up. They all came in to, to look at the building. And the first thing that they noticed is it didn't have any lights. Totally dark. So they asked him, where's the lights? And so he took them out to the to the porch there and around to the side and there were a bunch of lamps and he said I'm going to give each one of in the village that comes to church a lamp and they said well that seems a little bit odd he said well here's how you have to look at it if you come and be a part of this there'll be a light where your spot is but if you don't your spot will be dark I thought about that, and as I read that story, I kind of modified it a little bit because it was talking more about the church as a building. Um, of course, we know that it's not. It's just a building. But it got me thinking. Uh, if that was true for our building, how much light would be here? You say, well, they'd be quite a bit. We're, we're a pretty big congregation. But I think it would show that we bring that light with us, and there'll be a darkness if we're not here together. And I think it does help to show how much we need each other. I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes we forget that uh, we need each other. The Bible's clear that we, we don't need to walk this Christian life by ourselves. In the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Notice what it says. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift, his, lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. The threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, too many times I think we hear from individuals that say, I don't need anybody when it comes to my Christianity. I can serve God and I can get to heaven by myself. Christianity is, is an individual basis. No one can obey for me. Nobody can walk in my shoes. Nobody can serve for me. Nobody can do these things for me. I can do it myself. But the problem with that is if, if that was true... Why did God provide so much for us to be together? Why did he provide so many opportunities and encourage us so much and even command us so much to be together to learn that we need each other? And I think where the problem lies, sometimes we forget that, um, that we do need each other. I, I think sometimes we believe that our total purpose in life is to uh, our Christian life is to show up here at the building, uh, go through our worship, watch somebody else do the church stuff. 
I don't need them. All I need is myself. I need them to do the church stuff, and then I leave and go about my Christian life. Now, what do I mean about the church stuff? Just think about this just for a moment. You know, we, we, we come together, and, and we come here, and we, we, have, we listen to a, a lesson, whether it's teaching or preaching. We, we have singing. We have prayer. We have the Lord's Supper. Uh, uh, we give. We do these types of things, and then we go home. And I think sometimes whether we consciously know it or not, I, I think we get into a routine of, okay, I'm, the purpose is to come and to worship, to, to watch somebody do church, and then go about my business. I don't know how we get into that mindset, but I think over time we do, whether we like to admit it or not. You know, because uh, we, say, we say things like, I have to go to worship, I have to go to church, I have to do these types of things. And I think we don't really realize what the implication of that is. You know, when we think about all the things that have, have gone on, I've really been thinking a lot here lately. Matter of fact, I've been reading a book. Uh, David came in the living room the other day and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm reading. And he looked shocked. Because that's something you don't see me do a lot. I don't just sit and read something. Uh, uh, but this book was, was recommended, and, and I think Tanya ordered it and got it, and I started reading it. And it's, it's, about a, the, it's about how we look at church and some different things. I'm not all the way through it. I, I don't necessarily agree with everything uh, uh, that the author says. I agree with quite a bit of it. Uh, but one thing that, that he, he points out and, and it's funny because that's some of the things that, that I've had conversations with other people with. Uh, matter of fact, my wife and I have had this conversation quite a bit, especially here lately. You feel disconnected. Does anybody feel disconnected nowadays? It's the only time anybody in church ever asked you to raise your hand. But do you? I mean, last two years, do you feel disconnected? Do you feel like you just can't seem to uh, get involved? Uh, not just with church, just with anything. Uh, just with, you know, not, not just our church family, even our physical family or even work or even friends or whatever the case may be. It just seems like we, we've got into this habit of, of by, you know, being quarantined or by, uh, uh, you know, you better stay away from people because you, you might get sick, you might get them sick. So we, we got comfortable. I tell you, today I am sore. Everything on my body hurts because I got out and yesterday and had to, to put a line in through the driveway and I realized winter and COVID has been hard on me <laughs> I hadn't done anything evidently I hadn't used any muscles I hadn't done I guess I've been lazy everything today hurts but I just got into a habit of just closing myself off and not really you know felt like I had the energy to do that much and then then we start seeing that we are uh, starting to do things, and you hear terms like, well, we're getting back to normal. And really, what is normal? And is normal a good thing? The, the things we do and how we do it, is it, is it a good thing to do that? And, and how do we get beyond that? Um, how, how do we not feel disconnected? And how can we re-engage with each other? Well, I think the Bible tells us different things when it comes to our Christian life. And it comes to us as a church, not the building, but as people, as a church, on things that we can do. Let's look first here at Mark chapter 10. 
Mark chapter 10, it says, Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands uh, with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Now, notice what he is saying here. Uh, Peter is addressing him. This is after he got through talking about, uh, uh, talking with a rich young ruler who's not willing to give up uh, his possessions and, and doing the things that he's doing. And so Peter says, you know, we gave everything. You know, he talked about how hard it is to enter in heaven, how a rich man uh, can't enter heaven, about trusting in stuff. And, and Peter says, well, we've gave up everything. Look, we've, we've gave up uh, our houses, our brothers, our sisters, our fathers. We've gave up our family is what Peter is saying. But notice what Jesus said to him. Jesus said, look, you're saying you gave up your family. I'm telling you, you're gaining a family a hundredfold. Do you, do you treat them like that? You're, you're gaining something so much more. And you're thinking about what you gave up. I'm telling you what you're going to get here and now and in eternal life. Because the things that we're doing now is building those relationships, putting up those treasures in heaven for that life to come. But Jesus said, this is what you're getting now. This is how it's set up now. This is what you're gaining now. You're gaining a family. So what I want to ask the question is, when it comes to our church family, and that's how we refer to it, do we truly treat each other like family? And I think I would have to say we don't. Now, we may gasp and say, oh, yes, we do. Well, think about it. We, we throw the term family around pretty loosely. We, we've got uh, our uh, work family. We've got uh, our sports family. We've got our... Our, uh, you know, we've got, we, we use that term family for different things. And what we know is that they're, they're not truly family, but we have a common thing going. So we call them our family. Well, that's not what, what uh, uh, Jesus is saying at all that our family should be. It should be not only like our physical family, but greater, a hundredfold better than that. You say, well, how can you possibly do that? Well... How can we do that? How, how do you treat, how can we treat each other like family? One thing that this book brought out that I, I'll be honest, I never even thought about when it came to the aspect of family was church discipline. When you think of family, do you think of church discipline? You know, think about what the purpose of church discipline is. Church discipline, the purpose is to, to get an individual to repent. So if, if, if we're not truly the family that God said for us to be, you know the, all we're saying to that individual when it comes to church discipline? You just need to go somewhere else on Sunday morning. Just find you a different place to go on Sunday morning. That's it. That's, that's basically the only consequence there is. They may have to drive a mile. Where's the incentive to repent there? But if, if you have a relationship like a family... Where, where you're, you're encouraging each other, you're building each other up. You're so close with each other that, that you, you are intertwined together that if there's some separation of that, that's a consequence. That's something that truly matters. That's something that someone will say, wait a minute, 
Okay, let me reevaluate my life here. Look at what I'm going to be missing out here. Is anybody going to be missing out on anything? I mean, if we're truly family, well, of course we would. I wouldn't want to be separated with my, from my family. So what does it mean to be truly a family? And I thought about this. I've been thinking about this for the last, I don't know, week or so when it comes to, and I don't even like using that term church family because I think when we use that, we're just using this term, well, some people that we meet together on Sunday, we've got some common things, you know, some things in common, and then we go our own separate way. That's not how they did it in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, when the church was established, when Lord added them to the church, they had all things in common, and daily they did things together, didn't they? I mean, they sold their possessions, they helped each other, they done all of these things because they realized it was family. So I thought about my family, and I thought about how I interact with my family. And now uh, uh, my daughters are married, they've got kids, they've grown up, they, they don't live with us anymore, but... You know, I, I, I thought about still how I interact with my family, and I realized something. I realized, you know, I'm always still on guard listening for a place for me to jump in. Now, they may say I jump in too much, but I, I pick up on key words, and sometimes... They say they have to be careful what they say around me because I listen to them. If they say something, I'm right there and thinking, do you need something? Is there something that you need me to do? Are you having a problem here? Are you having something here? And they say they're always careful what they say. But, but I thought, why do I do that? Because I like to be nosy or I like to butt in their business? Well, no. I want to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to help any member of my family that I can. Isn't that what family does? You, you do everything that you possibly can for them. And the only way that you can do that is be close enough where you can be attentive. You can listen. You, you can talk. You can pick up on cues to where you know that person so well, they don't have to tell you if something's wrong. They don't have to, to, to tell you whether things are going good or things are going bad because you know it because you're that close with them. Now, let's ask the tough question. Do we have that kind of relationship? Or is it, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing good. How much further does it go? We, we have conversations. I mean, we talk a lot here. That's why we have, uh, I don't know if it's officially referred to the sit down and be quiet song, but we have one of those songs here because we talk, don't we? But really, how, how far do those conversations go? I want us to kind of be honest. I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking for myself. You know, how much farther does that go? How much interaction, how much farther does that interaction go? When it comes to confessing our sins one to another, when it comes to helping one another, do we feel, would we feel comfortable to do that? You know, we, we have an invitation to where we come forward, and, and if we've done something publicly, that we, we announce that publicly, that we, we've sinned, and we want the prayers and we want forgiveness, and... and I'm not saying that's not something we shouldn't do. But do I feel comfortable enough to come and talk to you, whoever you are, anybody in here, to say, listen, this is what I'm struggling with. This is a problem that I'm having. And I'm confident enough to say that to you and know that you won't use it against me. You won't try to, to gossip about it. You, won't, you would try to help me and tell me the truth and, and try to help me through that process. 
Do we feel comfortable enough with each other to do that? Isn't that what family does? See, family does that. So maybe we need to think about what it is. I, I, I've heard different people talk about, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of books on how to help a congregation grow or, or whatever. Um, and, and a lot of it involves, and I think that's how we get into uh, this uh, consumerism, where it's just about us. We, you know, we've got the marketing, we've got the, uh, the signage, we've got, okay, we've got these programs, and where, where can I, you know, fit in with this, and, and how can, and it becomes just about us. That's why you see, and John talks about this on a regular basis, you, it's like the next fad of these mega churches to where they have all of these things going on and all these people draw to it and then you'll see them draw to another one then you'll see them draw to another one well, well why is that because if if it's all about the individual that's coming and, and what you can provide for them then that's all it's ever going to be isn't it it's never going to be anything different than that what what can what can you provide me well, okay, you can provide me all this. Boy, that's great. Well, I may get tired of that. What else have you got? Oh, you don't have anything else? Well, I'll go somewhere else that can provide that. Well, it, it's about drawing people to God, not drawing people to uh, the pews. I don't know any other way to say that. It, it's about something totally different. It's, it, you know, when, when you see Acts chapter 2 of how the structure was there, it, it, it was about... God it was about what they could do for each other it was about family not what they could get out of it and I tell you that that kind of you know you start thinking about that that causes you to be honest with yourself when I'm honest with myself I don't know that I like what I'm hearing <laughs> I don't know if I like the answers that I, I have to give as far as whether I'm uh, treated or treat individuals truly like family but I think that's what he's talking about here. Look in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through uh, 16. It says, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the sons of God, Son of God, to a perfect man, to a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joint knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So as, he, as you see how the structure of the church is set up here, it's structured so we can equip each other, that next generation that's coming up, to be able to, one, sustain their own faith, but two, to teach that to someone else. So here you really have, again, a, a family atmosphere. That's how we do in our, our physical families. We as parents teach our children as they're growing up to be able to sustain themselves, to be able to be productive themselves, to be able to go off on their own themselves, and to, to train up the children that they have. Well, what happens when you don't do that as a parent? 
What happens when you, you don't teach your child to, uh, uh, to survive, to, to stand on their own? What if uh, all your relationship as a parent is with your child is constantly just this provider? Now, as a parent, yes. Do I provide for my children? Yes. But what if it's just all about that, that child grows up thinking it's just about what I can get? I deserve this. It's always just about what I can get. And you never equip them to be able, one, to sustain themselves, but to also to help that next one coming up. Would you think that we did kind of a poor job as a parent? Well, of course we would. That's the same thing within our family here. We're equipping each other. We're not here to, to just watch somebody else do it. I, I thought about... When I, I didn't start going to uh, a congregation until I was 15, I uh, became a Christian when I was 16, and I, and I thought about those formative years for me. Um, I'll be honest, I wasn't very, very equipped to sustain, much less to teach someone else. Um, I was brought up knowing the order of service, Two songs, scripture reading, another song, prayer, and the sermon. I mean, there, there's an order to it. Everybody grows up knowing that, right? I mean, I, I knew all the basics of faith should be. I, I knew the order of service. I knew the time of service. I knew when you were supposed to do anything. I knew the time, you, what song you stand up on, what song you sit down on. I knew all the, the basic things of faith. What else are you supposed to know? There's a lot more in there. There's a lot more than just that part of it. It's not just about coming to worship and, and going through those things. I mean, I knew it so much when, when I was uh, uh, then asked to lead singing. I don't get asked anymore. I wonder why that is. But anyway, I, you know, used to, I think then that we didn't really have. It was just me and a couple other guys the only one that would sing. I can remember being told to sit down. Because I, I, I sung an extra song. The preacher told me to. But the, the guy in the amen corner stood up and told me to sit down. Right when I started the song. You know how embarrassing that was? And he just said, we don't sing another song here. That's not the way it's done. And told me to sit down. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to lose my soul. I sung a song out of order. Now the preacher told me, so it's not my fault. preacher told me to sing it. That went with his lesson. And luckily, it was Thomas Eves, and he got up, and that's exactly what he preached on. Uh, he changed his whole lesson, and that's, that's what he preached on, you know. And I felt a little better about it. But uh, we, we get into that mindset, and that's the mindset that I grew up in. You know, that's the mindset that I thought church should be. I thought it all the way up till I got married and moved to South Carolina. And I, I could remember going into one congregation that uh, did the Lord's Supper first. Nope, my family's not going there. You don't have the Lord's Supper first. You've got to have the order service. You've got to have the preaching. Then you have the Lord's Supper. You don't, you don't put that somewhere else. Now, I'm 23 years old. been a Christian since I was 16. I wouldn't have that. My family wouldn't go to a place like that. You, you see the mindset we can get into? When it becomes just about the, the structure of things. Now, is structure good, decently in order good? Yeah. I'm not knocking these things, but I'm saying we miss that family atmosphere of how God tells us to be so we can be who He wants us to be. 
That we can have the Christian life that He wants us to have. That we can get to heaven the way that He wants us to get to heaven. With enjoying each other. Having that family where I, I feel comfortable expressing myself. I feel comfortable uh, of telling you my problems. I feel comfortable with, with expressing my questions that I have about my faith. Do you, have, do you have an ease at doing that with each other? Do you feel like if you had a question about something, would you, would you feel comfortable of asking someone about it? Or would you worry about what they say? Oh, they're going to think I'm awful if I'm questioning this. Well, isn't questioning part of growing as a Christian? Isn't questioning uh, the things uh, of, of, of why we do things and how we do things and, and question it and trying to get a basis of faith for yourself? Isn't that part of it? I should be comfortable to talk about that. But sometimes I think we're not and we don't grow like we should because maybe we don't have the family closeness that we should have to be able to do that. I don't know. Maybe that's just something that we should look at uh, as Christians. Uh, look at John chapter 17, verses uh, 20 through 23. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are one are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Now think about what Jesus is praying for here. He wants us to be one. Now, most of the time when we use this, uh, uh, these passages, we're talking about denominations and we're saying, well, the Lord prayed for unity, that we should all be one. We shouldn't be divided. But he, he's talking about individuals here, Christians, to where he says, I want them to be one. I want them to be as close, Father, as me and you are. You think that's pretty close? You think they had a connection? And he says, if they do this, then the world will know that you sent me. Now remember, we're a body. We're knit together. Christ is the head. We're, we're part of that body. The things we do reflect Christ. So if he's saying here he wants us to be close, so close, that when the world sees us, how we interact, how we are toward each other, that they will say, yep, that was the Son of God. God sent him. What he's saying is true. Look at how his followers are. I mean, think about it. So what are we showing to the world? When, when we're showing them Christ, by how we interact with each other, are we truly showing them what God says for us too? Look at John 13 that Roy read just a few moments ago. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How is the world going to know if we're Jesus' disciple? Most of the time we answer that if we love one another. That's not the correct answer. He didn't ask us to love one another to prove that we're his disciple. He said for us to love one another like he loved us. That will prove that we're his disciples. Now, boy, that's a whole different kind of love, isn't it? How did he love us? He gave his self for us. 
Who would I give myself for? Who would you give yourself for? I would give myself for my family, wouldn't you? I, 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 would, I would lay down my life in a minute for my family. Would you? Of course you would. Now, if we're family, the way that God says for us to be family, would we do the same for each other? That's how close. Now, that may sound forward, foreign to us. That may sound strange to us. And the only reason it does is because maybe we've not been doing it. Maybe I have to ask myself, is that why I feel disconnected? Is it because, was it because I wasn't that connected to begin with? Or was it just because of different things that went on? I mean, it causes us to really look at ourselves. I mean, think about it. Think about what we, we have to know. I'll just, Mike's sitting up here. I'll use him as an example. Now, I, I see Mike on not an everyday basis, but we eat lunch a lot. We discuss a lot at lunch. I, I feel connected to Mike because our relationship is more than just coming to the building. So I, I look at that and I think, okay, do I, I mean, I've known Mike since the fourth grade, but our relationship should be different than friends. We're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're, we're, we're a family in Christ. We're all, so me and him are brothers. And as we look, if, if I think of it in those terms, then that goes a lot deeper than just a friendship, doesn't it? But it shouldn't be just with Mike. It should be with Mike and Chris and Ronnie and Jimmy and Caden and whoever it is. Anybody in here, that relationship should be more than just friends because the world loves, the world has love. It, it, you can see that. There's a lot of loving people in the world. He didn't tell us to love like the world did. He said, the world will know you're my disciple if you love each other like I've loved you. So that's a different kind of love. There's people in the world that I don't treat as family. I have a work family, but I don't treat them as family. You know, there's, you know I've got people that I categorize and say, well, this is my work family. This is my this family. This is it. I, I don't treat them the same way. I can't put my church family in that category. Matter of fact, it's not scriptural. I can't do that. He tells me it has to be a different kind of love and a different kind of family. So it has to go beyond how you doing in the foyer. It has to go beyond, well, what you been doing this week? Let me ask you this. Here's the true test. When somebody, I'm sure somebody, you have been asked this question before in this building. When somebody says, how you doing? And you said fine, but you've not really been fine. Have you ever done that? I have. Somebody said, well, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. And I may feel like my life's falling apart, but you know what I would say? Fine. Why would we, why would we do that? You know, why would one, why would we say fine? And two, I don't know if I would actually, when I ask that question, if I actually stay in that spot long enough to hear the answer. It's mostly a passing, how you doing? And then I may hear good or fine or something. But think about it. I would say it's probably safe to say that, that you have been asked that question and you said fine. And you've not really been fine. Why? Why would we say it like that? We don't want to burden uh, the other person maybe. Well, does the Bible say bear one another's burdens? We should do that. So that, that shouldn't be an excuse. 
Uh, maybe uh, I don't know them well enough to really share what's going on in my life. Well, I should know them enough because I should love them like Christ loved me. You see, when, when we, we do these things, we're, and we, we would all probably say our congregation is probably one of the nicest that you'd find. Our congregation is one of the lovingest congregations you'll find. And that very well may be true. I've, I've seen a lot here that I didn't see in other congregations when it comes to things like that. But what I'm saying is when we really get down to our, we truly looking at each other like family and loving like we should, then we will say fine when we're not fine. We, we won't confess our sins to one another. We, we, won't, we won't share our struggles because, well, a lot of different reasons. Maybe each one of us need to think about that. Maybe we need to think about why that is and try to ourselves fix that. Because, you know, when the Bible says we need to prefer the other person or think about the other person before we do ourselves, the great thing about that is everyone's supposed to do that. Because sometimes we look at it and say, well, why should I prefer the other person when I'm the one struggling? Because guess what? You're supposed to do it, but everybody else in the congregation is doing that. So when you're weak, all the congregation is going to be here to help you. And when you're strong, you're part of the congregation that's helping that weak brother or sister in Christ. Because that's what you do with brothers and sisters. You help. Do you have arguments with your brothers and sisters? You ever had an argument with your brother and sister? I have, because there's a lot of times my, my siblings were wrong, and I had to show them where they were wrong. And I've, I've done that many times. But, and we've all done that, right? Because we're right, and, and they're wrong. Well, we have those arguments, but that's part of being brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I, I didn't just say, growing up with my brothers and sisters, had an argument, say, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm gone. Where was I going to go? We're family. What am I going to do? Walk out because we had an argument? Well, no, you don't do that. Well, we don't do it here either, do we? we? We have that relationship where we feel comfortable to work through. I mean, think about it. Think of it like a marriage. You know the greatest marriage, how it sustains itself, is when both know and realize and following the, the concept of you know the other person's not going anywhere. And when you know the other person's not going anywhere, you know what you can do? You can share anything with them. You can communicate. You can be honest. Because you know they're not going anywhere. And you can work that out. Now, I struggle with that. I'm not the best communicator. I'm a solar. I'm a, you know, I just think about it. I'm, you know, it, it, it takes me a while to get my emotions communicated out. So there's a lot of patience in my house a lot of times when it comes to me. You know, I, I need somebody showing patience with me. Well, we all do that. When we have our family here, each one of us needs patience with each other, long-suffering with each other, because we're families. But there shouldn't be anything that we couldn't go through, because guess what? We're all trying to go to heaven. And I don't know about you, I need all the help I can get. Do you need any help? I need help. And I think that's why God structured it this way. He structured it so we didn't do it by ourselves. So we didn't have to struggle alone. That we didn't have to face the world our own. That when Satan is walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, I can say, try all you want, I'm not by myself. 
Yeah, I may be the weak one, but guess what? I'm not at the end of the herd. The herd has surrounded me. You can't get to me because I'm weak right now because I've got protection. We all need that. So as we think about getting back to normal, as we think about trying to get back connected, and maybe you don't struggle with this. I, I do. I'm, I'm trying to get back in the swing of life. Think about this. Think about what our normal should be. Think about how we can make it better than what it was. What was I lacking in my Christian life? And try to fulfill that and realize that may be what somebody else is lacking and how can I help them? You know, pick a family, pick a person to say, you know, I'm going to try to be closer with that individual. And I'm going to be trying to be closer with this individual. I'm going to be trying to be closer here so I can recognize their struggles. They can recognize my struggles. I can recognize their success. They, you know, how can I weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice if I don't know they're doing it? You know, there's a lot of things by inference that I can't do that I'm commanded to do if I don't do the basics of what God wants me to do. I can't fulfill my Christian life. So back to our original story. Not in this building, but in our Christian family. Is your spot dark? Or is it light? And it may be dark because you may be physically here, but not emotionally. Not, not really here. You're just here. And I think sometimes we have our moments, all of us do, when we're just here. My light's not on, but I'm here. My spot's dark, because right now I kind of want it dark. And we shouldn't be like that. No matter what's going on in our lives, we should have our light there where somebody can see it and somebody can help. Or at least somebody come and say, why isn't your light shining like it should? Let me help you. Let me share my light with you to brighten yours a little.